So I seen on Fox News everybody's still paranoid about this whole coronavirus hoax, and it's pissing me off. What on flat earth is wrong with you people? I played enough Resident Evil to know that this ain't nothing. Coronavirus sounds like a great value version of the flu to me. COVID-19 sounds like a, a barely legal cold. It's a lamestream media's fault for getting everybody all riled up, educating us on how to protect ourselves, telling us how bad this could get, making me rent a U-Haul, driving it around the state, buying up all the wet wipes so none of the moms got stuff to clean their babies with and they say I'm the asshole. They say I'm the asshole for buying up all the, the hand sanitizer and and Lysol and toilet paper. You know, I'm like Red from Shawshank. I'm a man who can get things. And if you think you're going to come over to my house in the middle of the night, take what I have, just like my AR-15, then you come and take it. You can have my Purell once you pry it from my cold, dead, sanitized hands. What the hell is that? Yes, my name is Brian. What would you say you do here? Stone on air. I'm so happy I could die. Uh, but don't die, right? I'm so happy I could die right now. I'm so happy since you left me. I could die because I'm so and just kill me now. Welcome in, everybody, to the Stone on Air podcast. Coming to you two Wednesdays in a row. March 18th, 2020 is when this is officially available for download, whenever it is you find it. Thank you so much for doing so. My name is Brian Stone. I do this virtually every week. It's at least three times a month, and that might start to change more. Uh, or at least not change, but get back to a more consistent schedule because of some new ideas I've been coming up with. And you know, if you're regular here, I, I'm kind of an idea guy, but I'm not very good at actually fulfilling those ideas or seeking out or taking those ideas and turning them into uh, really anything uh, most of the time. It is very difficult for me to turn my brain off. I'm always trying to think of something amazing to do, but I just don't usually follow through. So let's take a look at today's show. It'll be a three-segment show. Uh, the second and the third segment of the show, so the final two-thirds, are going to be all involving the coronavirus. So I'm not going to talk about it here in the first segment uh, much at all. I mean, I might mention it a little bit because of uh, the subject matter of where I'm going here in a minute. But the second segment is just thoughts, and then that's what I wrote down to myself on the show sheet. And then the third segment is coronavirus politicized. I'm not saying necessarily that I'm going to politicize it, but actually, yeah, I probably am. So here on the uh, opening segment here, I'm going to tell you a couple of stories, and I, I think you'll find them somewhat interesting. So I needed a new radio in my car. I can't remember if I've talked about it on this show or not. And I got one put in. Nice. Touchscreen Pioneer. Really, really nice. I've never had anything like this before. My last car had a tape deck in it, for crying out loud. So, CD player that hadn't worked in five years. So, I'm pretty uh, excited to get this new radio. And it connects to my phone and all that, and Spotify, Pandora, all those bells and whistles. And that's nice. I'm glad to have those. But I really just want the radio, primarily. I like to listen to the radio. And the problem is, is that the antenna on this car clearly really sucks or it was maybe even wired up poorly i'm not sure i've it was such a hassle to get it done i'm not going to look into it i'm just going to deal with it and the stations that i listen to that i truly uh, enjoy are all very low wattage uh 92.7 
Uh, 88.1 is a pretty good signal, but it still doesn't come in good on this uh, on this receiver. Uh, my station, Alt 98.7, 7, 105.1 ESPN Radio, those all have shows on them that I actually want to listen to. And they're so they're so scratchy, it it's just irritating. So I hit a button. I didn't know what it was doing. It basically sets all your presets to the strongest signals that it can find. And so that's Sunny 92.3, KZ 106, uh, US 101, and some others. And so I've just, just because maybe just pure laziness, have left those as my presets. And I've been listening to these stations uh, for like the last week or almost two weeks now. It 88 or 90 or 89 point something. It's moody radio. It's Christian radio. Uh, but it actually has some pretty interesting financial conversation in one of the shows I stumbled on. I've been listening to Sunny 92. It's a pretty good station, really. It's, I mean, it's a station in the building I work at. I didn't have any idea. I actually enjoy listening to it. I listen to US 101 a little bit. And the last uh, little bit, I've been listening to KZ 106 for the first time, quite literally, in four years. Meaning, listen to it by not just just skimming by it real quick. Like, stop and listen. And... um Realize that they have Steve Gorman on at night now. It's a syndicated show, the former drummer for the Black Crows, and he's really, really good. He used to do a sports talk in Nashville, and now he's doing this syndicated classic rock kind of thing. And, you know, I'm sure it's fine, but uh, I didn't stick with it very long. But I heard Scott Chase on there today, Southern Fix at 6, and I noticed that there was no emo- no emotion when I heard him on the air. He sounded fine. And in the past, I hear him like, God damn, I hate that song. Now, I still don't like him. Right? I still don't like this. Is guy that fired me years ago, in case you weren't around back then. Um, I realized, I guess I am completely, completely over that situation. Because it's, it's not just because money and doing work that I feel is more important, but that certainly helps. But I make more money than I ever did there. And I have a creative outlet that is far more satisfying than what it used to be. So I guess living well is the best revenge. I guess that's where I'm at. I didn't turn it. I didn't have, you know, heart didn't flutter. I didn't get mad. I didn't get sad. I just listened because I hadn't listened in a while. And he played the Allman Brothers. And so I listened to Blue Sky to open up the Southern Fix at 6. But outside of that, same old piece of bleep radio station. Oh, my God. It's the exact same thing. Who buys advertising on that crap? I do not know. Okay. So here, transition to the main topic of this segment. So going back to what I was talking about, having ideas and not following through with them, I've had this local music show in my uh, in my head for a long time now, a couple of years, and I thought I was going to have it on the air on the radio by December or January, and now because of all the staffing problems we've had at the radio station and now this damn coronavirus, the last thing anybody cares about is some radio show I'm trying to put on the air. So I'm lucky I even have a gig over there at all. So I'm bypassing the radio for now, and I'm going to officially start my second podcast uh, called The Project 423. The Project 423. Um, if you think it sounds like a dumb name, you're in a, you're, you're in a boat that has several people in it. Um, I don't think it's a dumb name. I don't think it's a real unique name either, but I don't have anything better, and um, it just doesn't leave much up to the imagination. It's a show about Chattanooga, primarily music, but not exclusive to the music industry around town. I will always have a guest. It will never be me just doing commentary. That's what this show is for, and as a matter of fact, I will have very little commentary whatsoever. It'll be a Q&A, performance-based 
30-minute show, very simple, very little production, uh, either pre or post, and um, it should be a lot of fun. It's going to basically go back to the concept of the Stone On Air radio show, which was an hour long on Talk Radio 102.3 in the, for the first half of 2016. We have an open segment, then three segments with the band. They play three times. We talk. It was a lot more, a lot more stretched out. This will be more condensed. It'll be more straight to the point. But it's not always going to be just music. Uh, performers. It could be, you know, David Glenn, you know, from Channel uh, 9. I've been talking to him about having him on a podcast uh, off and on for the last couple of years. Uh, Wayne White, when he was in town. Those are the kinds of things I would like to have on this show that is less about me and more about who is, well, it's nothing about me and it's all about who I'm talking to. Now, this won't be like what you're used to here in Chattanooga in Mediocreville, a town that absolutely celebrates mediocrity um any of these podcasts are put together by some of these downtown whoever's you know they sit down and talk to the owner of you know jason from bitter alibi or something and i love jason and bitter but you know it's just it's just this commercial it's just a glorified commercial where there's no actual real content oh mm -hmm, yes that sounds really neat neat that must have been difficult like it's just ridiculous this will be actual content that i believe people are going to want to hear so anyway, more on that later. That is launching this weekend. And let me tell you how I got to that this weekend. So, I, uh, you know, going back to the idea stuff, the pandemic hits, and I'm just trying to think, you know, I mean, I flippantly say, how can I exploit this? And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, take advantage of it. Do something that nobody else is doing or isn't going to think about. And right off, I'm just going to give all the credit, really, for this idea to my girlfriend, Brittany. She came home on Saturday night after working and said, hey, Here's what you need to do. You need to figure out a way to have a like a quarantine show, like some kind of podcast or some kind of concert that you can you can stream online and and uh, blah 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, you know, actually, hmm, that's that's an interesting idea. And I immediately got a hold of Nathan Gale and Lord Taco, two behind the scenes people for uh, me over the years. And uh, Lord Taco works with the What Podcast with Barry and Brad and does a lot of great work for them behind the scenes. They would not have anything to the degree they have now without him and um i reached out to both of them i said meet, meet me at the feed noon you know then or two o'clock the next day this is just this past weekend and i thought here's what we're gonna do it's just spitballing ideas what do you think what do you think what do you think and in the end what we turned it into was a kind of an all-day concert with the this would be the jumping off point for the project 423 podcast and we'll live stream this and we'll put it on a patreon and we'll sell virtual tickets to the live stream, and then we'll also record like a multi-camera shot, a post-production, 30-minute compilation of all the songs, That and then we'll throw in merch, and you have different levels on the Patreon, from 10 bucks just to watch the live stream, to 30 bucks to 50 bucks to 60 bucks whatever, however you tier that out. You know, we initially were thinking, okay, we'll do this at JJ's. We'll have just, you know, the bare minimum people there doing the production, and then all the money made will be split between the bands and John at JJ's, or insert wherever here, but that was just our first thought. And we're all starting to, you know, spitballing ideas around and thinking, hmm, actually, we might be able to pull this off. What can we, I think we can pull this off. This is going to be really good. And it really puts you out in front like you're the guy, you're the guys who really got out in front of this and tried to do something during a time when people are truly, really hurting. And you'll get recognized for that, and it'll give you a great jumping-off point for the podcast. So selfishly, we wanted to do it for that, but also it was going to be fun. It was going to be good content. We were we were actually offering 
real quality content. And that was, you know, without having much more than just a couple of beers and a bar napkin that we're writing on, you know, we're, we're thinking we're on to something here. You know, we're thinking if we can get this put together by Wednesday, that would be the day you're listening to this, to this right now, then we would be gold. Well, not so fast. Monday afternoon, so less than 24 hours since we started the brainstorming session, Clay from Strung Like a Horse posted this on Facebook. What's up, y'all? Um, first, I want to let y'all know that we've we've had to cancel or postpone pretty much everything up until the, the middle of next month, and then we'll just kind of see where we're at uh, here in a couple weeks and see if we have to go further than that, but hopefully not. Hopefully everything will be okay by then. But we were, you know, I was trying to figure out a way to help out some of these industry people because I've been on the phone with a lot of venues and LDs and sound engineers and everybody's just kind of hurting because there's everything's getting canceled. So um, most of these people are self-employed and don't really have anything else to lean on. A lot of them are paycheck to paycheck. So uh, we were kind of thinking of maybe doing like a, a series of live streamed concerts um, and I just wanted to see what kind of interest there was for that. Like, would you throw up a live stream on your TV, the quarantine concert, and watch it? Um, we were thinking about doing a donation-based uh, thing where we have a link there where you can donate um, for the for the show. And um, we're going to use that to pay the production crew because uh, they're all out of work right now, so it'd be nice to employ them. Um, and then, you know, donate the donate 100% of the profits to uh, some sort of charity, and I don't know which one yet, so maybe if y'all have an idea on that, that would be helpful too, but um, so either someone that helps pay for food for you know families that are hurting, or um, if there's an organization that helps local musicians you know, or people in this industry that are hurting so bad. Um, but yeah, so y'all let me know what you think if you would if you would donate to that and uh, if it's worthwhile, I think we're probably gonna do it and maybe even like Saturday. So uh, be on the lookout for the quarantine concert and maybe it'll be a series. Maybe we'll do one every week and we'll bring in a different band or something. I don't know. Um, we don't have work. <laughs> we gotta do something. So y'all let me know what you think and if you got any ideas because we would love to see that. That is Clay from Strung Like a Horse. And at first I was like, damn it! <laughs> Stole my idea! And after we uh, talked about it, it it really wasn't the same ideas. It was the same concept and the same maybe end result in a way, but it was getting there different ways. And so me and Clay talked for a little while that night, and um, I immediately after I started talking to him, I was like, wow, you've actually you've got some real wheels turning here. I mean, he's got the Chattanooga State Media Technologies coming and setting up a live stream with multi-camera shots and soundboard recordings. We weren't going to do that. We didn't have any way to do that. We had a way to make soundboard recordings and good video in post-production, but we could not do anything live stream outside of just a laptop or a phone, and y'all know how crappy that is. But they're offering theirs for free and the uh, the live stream and then just having like a click donation within the live stream, however you embed that, I'm not sure. So I question whether just relying on donations is going to bring in money that matters, you know, am amounts of money that actually affect anything. But also I wonder, I question whether trying to sell it from the from the jump is going to work either. I question all of it. I mean, there's no reason to be overly certain because none of us have ever done anything like this before. So we got to talking, how can we kind of combine our ideas? And the more I talk to them, the more I realize, okay, they're, I mean, they're a professional band, they're a professional outfit. I, I'm just going to kind of get in their way more than anything else. 
talked about me doing the MC for it, but that, that doesn't really need an MC. And so in the end, uh, back to idea guy, I just said, I texted him yesterday and I told him too, right off the, right off the top. I said, listen, man, if you don't need me, don't feel like you have to include me just because I supposedly, you know, just taking my word for it, had a similar idea to you. Um, but Clay's cool and they're all cool and I'm, you know, buddies with everybody involved and, so he's like, I'm going to figure out a way to make this work. So I text him today and said, hey, how about this? I will just get out of your way. Let me bring my gear down. And I'm going to do the very first The Project 423 podcast live from Songbirds. The first show's first guest will be strung like a horse. And if you guys can give me that, me and Nathan will record our whole thing. We'll run video on it. And um, that gives me a big boost, a big jump. And we'll promote the donations and uh, we'll talk about, you know, all the things that, that everybody is concerned about, and it'll be fun. And he said, absolutely, yeah, of course we can do that. And I said, and, I, and the rest is just, it's all back in your hands. And in the end, I got to talking to Nathan, and he said, uh, man, this might be a blessing in disguise. I said, dude, this ain't a blessing in disguise. This is a blessing in plain view. <laughs> We're going to get just as much promotion, just as much publicity, and just as much uh, uh, traffic as we would have got if we had to do all the work ourselves all day long and still not sure whether it was going to turn out right or not. This is perfect. And then if they do another one the next week, we'll be involved with that and do another podcast with whoever that band is, and we'll do this for as long as it makes sense. And I'm really, really excited about it. So I have really got to get to work putting together. I've got all the social medias and the website domains are purchased. None of them are set up yet. I just want to make sure they're all secured. So I won't send you that direction just yet. Got to do some of the production part with like the intro and the open and all that kind of stuff. I'm excited and I think there's going to be a good way to cross promote the two and maybe start getting some uh, money changing hands. But of course, I've been talking about that for damn near four years. Coming up next, or for the rest of the show that matter, coronavirus talking thoughts on everything going on right now in the next segment and then we're going to politicize it on the way out in the third segment this is a stone on air podcast and i will be right back stone on air we'll be right back oh darling what juicy gossip i have for our listeners stoneonair.com people should not say if you want a test you go get a test right now that, that's coming. That's not here at this point. Well, we're not the best equipped nation in terms of testing. That's that's absolutely obvious. We all want on a date. We all want to be told by Friday there'll be 10 million tests available. The problem is they can't tell us that. Now tonight, people who think they need to be tested can fill out an online screening questionnaire and be directed to the nearest testing site. Some of them are going to be drive-through, and you could get results provided in 24 to 36 hours. Go online, take that step, and they'll get you where you need to go. I've had four AIDS tests in my day. The AIDS test is very scary to get. It doesn't matter what you've been doing. Waiting for the results is frightening. So I don't get the regular AIDS tests anymore. I get the roundabout AIDS tests. I called my friend Brian. I said, Brian, do you know anybody who has AIDS? <laughs> no? Cool. Because <laughs> you know me. I have some remedy. The late, great Mitch Hedberg. Hey, Brian, you know anybody who's got AIDS? No? Cool. Because you know me. Welcome back to the show. So, 
Turns out I was wrong. And I am... I would like to think one of the best, at least in the media world, in the content creation world of Chattanooga, Tennessee. If not... I'm not saying the best, but I'm certainly in the corner of a handful of people who I think I would be amongst the best at admitting when I'm wrong. I am wrong so much, right? I am wrong so often. I am so flawed, such a flawed human being. Um, I'm not that educated. I'm not that smart. I do believe I have a lot of street smarts. Um, I do believe I have a doctorate in common sense. I do believe that, you know, I've got it put together in a lot of ways, but overall, when it comes to, you know, just an educated, intelligent testing uh, test, I don't I don't come out very high on that, right? I mean, my IQ is not real high. I'm not going to get a good number on the SATs. The Wonderlick test, I'm probably going to not do very well at. But examining a situation, examining a room, and coming up with a thought, an opinion, a take, if you will, I feel like I do all right at but I also fail miserably many of the times. And last week, I was more flippant about the coronavirus than I probably should have been. Now, I did say, in my defense, I did say, as I was putting that segment together, I was realizing more and more that I was probably wrong on not on not taking it as seriously as I did and acting like it really isn't any big deal and we're all overreacting. Now, I do think that we're, I still believe that we're overreacting. I absolutely do. But I think that this overreaction is probably necessary, right? It's probably needs to happen because how else are we going to stop this? We had, we kind of got to save each other from ourselves because I've been saying, I'm still saying, I'm not staying inside. I'm going to, I'm not changing my life till the government makes me. And uh, we're almost to that point. I mean, we really are. Uh, this is bizarre. This is scary. It's gotten that way. And for me, it's really mostly just selfishness that I can anecdotally speak to. Uh, I still work two jobs. As a matter of fact, I got told today I got a raise at one of the jobs out of nowhere. Um, you know, 3% cost of living kind of thing. But I didn't think I was going to get it. Didn't think it was coming. And so, I mean, I'm good. I'm making the same amount of money, if not more, than normal because there's more hours to be worked if I if, if needed. Uh, that might change. Uh, they might start shutting down every industry. I, I just don't know. This is so unprecedented in my lifetime and um, in most people's lifetime. So, so I am going to just continue with this segment in the uh, nature that is a little bit you know, selfish and flippant because that's just but it's what I do. It's my show. I guess I can do whatever I want. But I don't want to come across as insensitive. I will look at a couple of these things. Food City is now saying that between 7 and 8 a.m. when they first open their doors at 7, that is for customers 65 years of age or older. So if you, and you know, your mom, dad, grandparents, whoever in your life that is of that age, if they can now certainly go shopping and not have a bunch of punk asses kids and young people around them getting them sick i think that's a great thing um let's see what else do we have here uh most fast food chains are closing the dining rooms and it's going to be just drive through and you can imagine how big of a nightmare that's going to be for for a customer standpoint if you're going to go sit in lines wrapping around buildings but most of them not necessarily all of them mcdonald's taco bell arby's just to name three i know this is flying squirrel doing the same thing. 
uh, across the street at the Southern Star for my day job. I was looking to go get some dinner from there tonight, make dinner easy. Nope, they're closed, and even when they were open, they were only serving out of their self-serve coolers to the left where they put uh, food over there after they've uh, not when, when they're almost out and they're changing the menu every day then they put those for individual sale they were only selling food that way so you didn't sit down and get food prepared or you didn't even call in and get food prepared they just made it put it in a cooler you can come in and get it but then they were even closed hours before they normally uh, are and that's just my anecdotal s- story there Reg- regal cinemas amc don't go see movies it ain't gonna happen uh, still only one confirmed case in Hamilton County. I know doing all this time-sensitive material on a podcast is not a good idea, but that's just, you know, it's the way this, this show works. Hamilton County Schools gone until 413. Bradley and Cleveland City Schools until 331. My guess is that will extend longer than that. The Kentucky Derby will be on Labor Day. NASCAR is suspended through May. The NBA, their season's over. They're just going to play the playoffs whenever they can uh, until at least June. NHL until mid-May. Major League Baseball, not until mid-May at the very earliest. I bet it will be probably June or July before Major League Baseball starts. And um, that's just, oh, God. It's so depressing. So now I'll get back to the anecdotal, more selfish nature of this segment, and I'll I'll make it pretty quick, and then we'll get to politicizing the virus and then be done with the show for this week. This is my time of year. This is hashtag my month. May or April is. But this is hashtag me. This is hashtag this is what I do. I live my life for this stretch of time, mid-March through the 1st of May. That's that's my time of the year. Now, June, Bonnaroo is my favorite time of the year for a five-day stretch. You know, the rest of June can, you know, pound sand. I don't care about the rest of June other than there's concert season and it's summertime. But June ain't my favorite time of year right now. This. This time of year. And every single thing is ruined. Everything. And it's, you know, it started off like, ugh. There's so many inconveniences here. And it's now turned into everything. My birthday is in, you know, three weeks. I'm 40 years old. I was hoping to have a great birthday on a, you know, on a big number like that. It's going to be awful. There's going to be nothing to do. That night, uh, Sadler Vaden is going to be playing at Songbirds North, the the museum stage. He's uh, from Jason Isabel, the 400 unit. Used to play in Driving and Crying. He's out of Nashville. He's fantastic. That ain't happening. I was going to travel the next week. The 10th is my birthday. That's on a Friday, and then I'm off the whole next week. I was going to go somewhere. Might go down to New Orleans, hang out with my uh, buddy Brad, my old buddy Brad and Hillary, who moved down there just uh, a month ago. Uh, Probably not happening. Uh, No Lookouts baseball. No Atlanta Braves baseball. No any team playing baseball. Uh, The NBA Finals, you know, that's in more towards June. But the playoffs usually start in April. I don't really care about that that much. I'm just, just, but I care a little. I keep an eye on it. The Masters, ugh, the only golf I watch all year long. I don't watch one second of golf all year until the Masters gets here. And sometimes I'll watch the entire Sunday. And I don't watch the whole, you know, four days. But I'll sometimes watch a bunch on Saturday and the entire Sunday. Certainly the back nine, almost every year. This is all that, a lot of this stuff goes back to childhood. The uh, WrestleMania is April 5th. I, since I was a child, 
I got many years for one of my birthday presents was my mom purchasing WrestleMania for me. And now they're going to do WrestleMania in an empty little performance center, the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, in front of zero people. Now, that sounded odd when I first heard about it. But this past week, I watched Friday Night SmackDown on Fox, and they did several matches in that same performance center with no one there. It was the silliest damn thing I've ever seen. It was like, what kind of foolishness is this? This That must be what other people who think professional wrestling, WWE, is dumb. I get it. It is dumb. But I... I I can only imagine that when people who are just like, this wrestling mess is so stupid, I can't believe you idiots watch this. That's how I felt watching that show to no audience. Like, this is insanity, silliness, foolishness. What in the hell am I doing watching this? I never realized how important the crowd was. It's, I'd say it's 60% of the show. At least half is at least half of it. And so yeah, WrestleMania is ruined. It's gone. It's not happening. I'm not watching a couple of idiots in a empty ring in an empty building. Not, just tell me who won later. Doesn't matter. So yeah, this is depressing, man. It's to, it's difficult every day to just try to get through the day without just being, I don't want to say depressed, but just bummed. And I have no financial uh, woes right now because of this. I'm still getting paid every other day, uh, every other week by two jobs, all while also getting a small raise. Like, I'm good. But I'm just, I'm just so mentally beat up. I spend the whole winter like, oh, this sucks, but at least I've got my spring. At least I've got my month and a half. Oh, I can't wait. And it's gone. It's gone. It's just such a weird time that we are alive right now and people are suffering and, and, and out of work and out of money and sick. And so it's, you know, I I do feel like I should apologize a little bit, you know, for, for talking about WrestleMania. But again, this is just what I do on this podcast. All right. Well, I don't want this to run too long, this go around. So I'll go ahead and wrap up this segment. And we will come back and politicize a pandemic. Chuck Todd from, I think it's Meet the Press, right? MSNBC was on with Tony Kornheiser, and I thought it was an interesting conversation. I captured some of that. I'll play that back and uh, politicize this bad boy. Coming up next. More of Stone on Air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. We're finding very little problem, very little problem. Now, you treat this like a flu. This is the most aggressive and comprehensive effort to confront a foreign virus in modern history. It's going to disappear. One day, it's like a miracle. It will disappear. We will be suspending all travel from Europe to the United States for the next 30 days. We have thousands or hundreds of thousands of people that get better just by... You know, sitting around and even going to work. Some of them go to work. If you are sick or not feeling well, stay home. The Democrats are politicizing the coronavirus. This is their new hoax. We must put politics aside, stop the partisanship, and unify together as one nation. 
Ah, good old Trump. Always count on him to contradict himself. Just so accepted nowadays in all walks of life. Doesn't matter what you said before. <sighs> all right, so we'll hear from Chuck Todd here in just a minute. First of all, a couple things I was going to read right off the top that I will get to right now. A couple of tweets that I really liked. David Smotherman, first of all, he is the uh, merchandise guy for CFC, also, but uh, for much longer, the Winder Binder um, art store, bookstore on the North Shore. Been there since the 90s. He, uh, he, he tweeted this. Uh, you know how in, a, in disaster movies, there is that scientist that is screaming, this is real, and everyone ignores him or her, and of course, they are right. And you are sitting in the audience screaming, why is no one listening? That is what's happening right now, but it's not a movie. Uh, off subject here, talking about the uh, Democratic uh, primary, which this is Super Tuesday 3, as I'm recording this, Biden has landslided win in Florida, wins pretty convincingly in Illinois. Ohio suspended their primaries, and Arizona is probably the returns are coming in right about now. Biden's your your you know your nominee regardless. But anyway, it says from my friend, uh, my buddy Brad Brad Steiner, there's zero room for conversation with Bernie voters. They single-handedly made me turn away from him. So condescending, so much bullying. It's so strange to argue with people you agree with. Thank God this is all over on Tuesday. Speak Talking about today, right now, as I'm recording this. And that line, I hate to give Brad too much credit. He's a very sharp guy. He's a big asshole a lot of times, too. But a very sharp guy. And I love this line. And I'm going to use it more uh, going forward. It's so strange to argue with people that you agree with. And that's what I've been saying without saying those exact words this whole time. It's like Bernie, I love Bernie. And and most of the Bernie supporters, I love you too, but you got you guys this is this is insanity. This is madness. But the the dynamic of arguing with somebody that you fundamentally agree with is just something that I've never really encountered before. I don't argue with people I agree with. Generally speaking, except for in this kind of bizarro world that is the Bernie Sanders coalition, which is failing and needs to get out, needs to get out of the way, especially with all this going on now. Biden's winning this thing. If you want to stick it out and make a mess out of all this in the middle of a pandemic, you go go right ahead, Bernie bros. But it's time to end this and just focus on November if they're even if we can even make it that far to actually have an election. And part of that I'll come back to with Chuck. He talks about here in just a minute. So why politicize it? Why the hell not? The president does. The president does. I was looking, going back to find some of his uh, his tweets, and I don't. I, this man is insane. All right, he is a very weird individual. I love Twitter. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. I have been on Twitter since April of two thousand nine. Trump beat me by one month. He's been on Twitter since March of two thousand nine. That's when the takeoff of the of the that social media really hit. Um, I have sixteen point six thousand tweets in 11 years and I didn't start using Twitter till years after uh, a few years after I, I originally signed up I mean it's not like I from day one from the jump I was using it all the time and I think that's true with most uh, adults because at first it was it's like what TikTok is now all the kids were on Twitter then and all the kids aren't on Twitter now only mainly adults are 
So we've been on Twitter for the same amount of time. I have 16.6 thousand tweets. And even that makes you kind of go, really? What the hell are you doing, man? Why are you tweeting 16 and a half thousand times in a decade? Well, Trump has 74 million followers, which has got to be close to the top of anybody in the in the country. He has 49.8 thousand tweets in over 10 years. 49 and a half. I have almost a third of the amount of tweets. This man is the president of the United States and he is tweeting from his personal page and I'm pretty sure it's all him. I don't think it, it, there, there's a there's a, a POTUS, right? There's a, a 45 official account that's got the blue check that he doesn't have anything to do with. This is him. This is him taking so much time out of his day to tweet Constantly, not once a day, not twice a day, not three times a day, four and five and six and seven and eight times a day. This, that, there's just something wrong with that. Nobody else does this. And I just got so lost in the flood trying to find some stuff I saw from a week or two ago that he was, he was citing numbers from uh, swine flu back in Biden and, and Obama's administration and how it was how it was handled and how many deaths there were and he's he he doesn't know how to keep you safe. I mean, why would I not politicize it when the most influential man in the world is politicizing it? So enough of this. We need to stop politicizing. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. So uh, earlier this week, Chuck Todd from MSNBC was on with Tony Kornheiser, and I thought it was an interesting conversation, and I have seven clips from that show earlier this week. And real quick before we get to that, I just took a break and went upstairs to make a drink, and now I have a fresh gin and tonic, and also know that Arizona has been called a winner for Joe Biden. So Bernie, scram. Love you, bro. Love you like a grandfather. Love you like an uncle. Beat it. Get 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 missing. We don't need this convoluted anymore. Joe Biden's going to be the nomination for the Democrats to take on Trump in November. So here we go. Chuck Todd on with Tony Kornheiser talking about a poll, which, of course, we know what polls mean these days in the last three and a half years. Not much often. But who do people trust? We put out our first poll, uh, the public, uh, and conducted it Wednesday through Friday. State governments were the most trusted. Local governments were the next most trusted, then the federal government, then Donald Trump in that order. And it was by significant margin. Seventy five percent had full trust in the state government, 73 in local, was like 62 in the feds, and then 48 percent with Trump, which yeah. is a familiar number, right? About that 48, about half the country. Half yes, half no. And at, Trump did the same thing I did at first. It was just like, eh, it's really no big deal. Don't worry about it. And a lot of his supporters are still doing that. Um, I'm closer to his side of that from his initial reaction than I am uh, to the other extreme side for sure. But clearly it is um, it's become a bigger deal than any of us could have imagined. Chuck says, what is Trump really actually worried about here? I think that the Trump administration is worried more about the economic fallout as it pertains to political fallout. They you know, I think he sees it through the only the prison through November. And through that, you know, in his head, he was running on re-election on the economy. And all of a sudden, he can't do that. And it's like nothing else can compute for him right now. And until he can get his arms around being able to run on what he wanted to run on, 
everything else is a, is a hindrance, right? He's treating it as, as almost like uh, it's, it's disrupting my whole plan. Like, what are you doing? Rather than what is the reality and what people around him, you know, this is just him. People around him are telling him, hey, best way to win re-election is to manage this. Yeah, and it's, you know, I, I say it all the time. It comes down to how do middle class and above middle class white people think, what do they think about their bank accounts and their stocks, you know, their investments, their 401k, their retirement. If they're happy with that, generally speaking, whoever the president is will be reelected in that election year. But this throws a whole nother wrench into this, that not only is the stock market and the overall economy trending terribly down, spiraling because of all this, you've also got this, you know, this health scare, public health scare like we've never seen. And it changes all the dynamics right as we get very close to when the actual head-to-head race starts here before too long once Joe Biden is officially named the Democratic candidate. But he does admit that, you know, Trump's getting a lot of leeway from everybody here. So because this is this is not Trump made, right? He didn't do this. Same kind of thing that happened with Obama, Bush, Clinton. Things happen and you, it matters how you handle it. It's important. You're going to get leeway here. We're we're all we all got it. I, I we get it that we're all going to be one degree of separation from somebody who gets this thing. You know, I mean, I, you know, I think we're all working ourselves up at times. We're like, oh, my God, I hear so and so has it. I hear we're all going to be one degree, if not have somebody in our household get this thing. Um, so we get it that this is something out of government control to an extent. But I'll tell you, I do think this is his Iran hostage situation. I think That's it's going to consume the rest of this year. And November is going to be about it. And we'll come back to uh, the Iran hostage situation. He was referring to the Jimmy Carter presidency here before we wrap things up. Let's talk about the Democratic primary before tonight, after more convincing wins from uh, Joe Biden. Uh, What does this do to that race? I think it would we would be having a bigger debate had this been a close race. Think about where we were three weeks ago in the Democratic race. And had this hit, then I think we would be having this would be a far more consequential conversation. I think the fact that Biden is ahead, that it looks like he's the presumptive nominee. And then the caution flag came out. Right. Right. Everybody is. It is. is That's caution flag is 100 percent right. You you know, you just. Yeah. Who's ever in first stays in first. Who's ever in second stays in second. And that's exactly what's happened here. Right. In this race. And there's enough of it, you know. And it's not as if it's in dispute. It's not like it's an unfair reason why the one guy's ahead. You know, it's not like the caution flag came out just when. That's right. You know, Biden, you know, type of. uh, So I I think because of that, you know, it's 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 going to be easier to do a virtual convention if it's necessary. I guess you can find some Bernie bros that would disagree with that. But, yeah, the idea of having a virtual convention, um, there are no more rallies. There are no more. Uh, gatherings, political uh, cheerleading situations. It's 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 a bizarre time. It's a bizarre place that we're in right now. And uh, more on that from Chuck here in a minute. Again, Chuck Todd from MSNBC on with Tony Kornheiser earlier this week on Monday, as a matter of fact. Uh, Chuck talked about the medical experts, what they're telling him, and could this could this outbreak come back later in the year? The medical experts I've talked to all say the following. We're going to it's going to be somewhere in the next two to six weeks that we're going to have our surge, you know, and that's when it's going to be at its at its immediate worst. That takes us somewhere into early May. Then we will have 
this sort of sort of okay, and, and you know, some of life will get back together and all this stuff. Most of these medical experts expect this to come back in October if we don't have a vaccine yet. And that is right before the general election, the first Tuesday of November. Uh, so back to the public rallies. Can can Trump do these? Can, can Biden and Bernie on the campaign trail have these gatherings? Well, of course, we know the answer to that right now is absolutely no. Well, October is the last month of the campaign, right? So that's the... That's the question I have in my head. I think it's possible we don't have any more public rally yeah. between now and November, which yeah. would be something else. By the way, if you're Joe Biden, that's exactly the type of campaign you <clears throat> want to have. And if you're Donald Trump, it's exactly the opposite campaign you want to have. No, because Trump thrives on all of that stuff. Can't run on the economy. Can't run on, if he has no solution to this, can't run on it. Yeah, yeah this is favoring Joe very much. Now, long ways away from getting to that point and to seeing what the reality of all that is. Last one here, Chuck comes back around and talks about the uh, Iran hostage crisis again, what was the uh, downfall of Jimmy Carter. That's why I go back to, in our lifetime, Tony, the the Iran hostage, you know, there were already doubts about Carter and his management. And, you know, maybe people liked him and all this stuff. You weren't sure. Then here was something, not of his causing, right? But he couldn't solve it. But he couldn't solve it. And it became a metaphor for his entire presidency. And that is that is what I think Trump has to realize he's grappling with here, which is why somebody's got to get it into his head. Your entire presidency is going to be judged through how you manage this, buddy. It has nothing to do with how high the stock market goes anymore. And I disagree with that. It's always going to have something to do with how high the stock market goes. That is never not a thing. My name is Brian Stone. This is the Stone On Air podcast. Cannot wait to get the um, the Project 423 podcast uh, off the ground this weekend at Songbirds Saturday with Strung Like a Horse and uh, try to make some money for them and for their crew and try to do this series maybe once a week here while everything is shut down and nobody can play and nobody can make any money from that industry and just trying to help out as much as possible and uh, put a new show out there and have some more content to deliver. I'm done politicizing the coronavirus. Hey, everybody else is doing it. Why not me, right? At Stone on Air on all social media is how you can get a hold of me. Thank you so much. I'll be po- uh, posting more and more about the new show, and I hope that you will uh, download it and like and subscribe and all those things too as well. All right, y'all have a great week, as good as it can possibly be in this mess that we're in and we'll do it again here soon all right take care bye